This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to today's show. It's Voice of Change. It's me, Lauren Jacobs, and you're on K-Pulpit. I hope that you've been having a wonderful week, that you're feeling well and rested after last week's long weekend. Maybe the long weekend is even so far away from your mind because you've had such a busy week. Whatever it is, I pray that God's blessings have been with you and that you're feeling good on this Thursday. You know, today I really want to celebrate something that we don't often celebrate, although we don't hear that much about because it's kind of a... A day that's actually been newly instituted, newly put in on the calendar, International Midwives Day. And today I'm going to be joined by Astrid Klomp. Now, Astrid is an incredible human being who is a humanitarian worker. She works with nutrition and health, and she works today as a health and nutrition coordinator for Action Against Hunger in Lebanon. She also trained in midwifery, or midwifery as we say, and also is very, very passionate about breast feeding support among the most vulnerable among communities where there are big needs and she has been all over the world you know to really work in this area she trained as a nurse as well and like I said in midwifery and was really really passionate got really passionate about helping mothers you know in vulnerable communities in areas where there is no real support systems where there is no you know real help for women to get the nutritional support that they need to breastfeed to help their children and also to help themselves and so she's worked like I said everywhere from North India to Bangladesh and Lebanon Iraq South Sudan all over and she's actually from the Netherlands so she's been working for the last couple of decades doing this incredible work and today I really wanted to bring Astrid into the show so that we can get a glimpse of life out there you know as a humanitarian worker working in a very very niche field when you talk about nutrition it's not just about hey let's get food on the table for people who need it and who may not have but it's also about how do we get nutritional value in this food how do we help people and Astrid is going to really give us a glimpse today into her life into what she's been doing what she's been up to how God has led her and she has quite an interesting story and also just a lot to share with us there's a lot of I think that we don't really consider when we are thinking about women in conflict areas, for example, or women in, you know, areas where there are refugees and how do they breastfeed? How do they get nutrition to their children? How do they themselves get nutrition? So Astrid is with me. We're going to be celebrating and honoring today the women who work in this field, the women and men, because they're men who are midwives as well. And I've met quite a few and, you know, who are working, especially those who are working in very, very intense environments and who are trying to help women all over the world who are really trying to care for their children who are pregnant who give birth in you know very very intense situations areas of conflict places of war even like Syria Ukraine today and we want to go there today because we want to honor those women so Astrid is with me after this look forward to a great show Astrid it's so nice to have you with me today I'm really grateful that we're going to have just a really good conversation today and also you know, really honoring International Midwives Day, which is a day that, you know, a lot of people probably don't know about, but just to honor that and to chat about your own story. So welcome to the show today. It's lovely to have you here. 
Thank you so much, Lauren. Yeah, it's really good to be here. And I know that you're joining us all the way from Lebanon, which is quite exciting. Uh, how mm-hmm. is things going there? You know, how how is, you know, everything happening there and what's been happening with you? What kind of work are you doing there at the moment? So, yes, I'm working for a, an international organization here in Lebanon, and I'm overseeing uh, a lot of the nutrition projects that we do. And, um, yeah, so I've just arrived a month ago or four weeks ago, actually, mm. uh, while recording. So, um, and so I'm new to the country. I've been in the region before. I've been in Iraq before, but now the first time to be in Lebanon. And, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated place, like lots of places that I've been to. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, definitely feels like so far that there is, it's, it's a good place to be, uh, although there is often sad reasons for me be going to places where I go. So, um, yeah, but mm. uh, summer is coming. Uh, I think you in South Africa, you're heading towards uh, the winter home. now. The yeah, winter, winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but here people are happy that the cold is over because it gets really cold inside. But mm. uh, it's so interesting. Really hot. Yeah, it's gonna, then it's going to be really hot, right? Then you're going to be yeah, having some yeah. serious weather. But obviously, yeah. like you said, you've been in Iraq. So, I mean, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's going to be easy. Yes. Yeah, no, it should be fine. It's so interesting how you said, you know, uh, it's it's quite a complicated country and it's probably, you know, many, many reasons, difficulties and many reasons for that. But like you said, you know, your work taking you to so many different places and often sad reasons for being there. So tell us a bit about your personal work that you do. Obviously, like you said, working with different organizations and, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we're going to be clear on on the show today is that you work with so many different organizations you have throughout, you know, many years. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're saying this is all your own opinions that you share with us today. It's not, you're not speaking for any of the organizations. This is really your story, your journey. And I think it's important that we say that today as well. So, you know, tell us a bit about your journey within nutrition, you know, midwifery, Mm -hmm. everything that you've been doing, what you've been led to do, um, because that's quite exciting, quite interesting work that you do. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of, you know, the story of, I'm not super young anymore. I am uh, in my forties now. Uh, so the story gets longer as, as you get older, <laughs> but, um, but it did, it did really start when I was, a uh, when I was a child, uh, I learned about, um, well, it was especially actually second world war China. I heard about this lady Gladys Ilward who took on children, uh, during world war two, and uh, rescue them from from the from the yeah through the war there and then uh, hearing about um so my parents are actually and are still working with an organization called youth with a mission in sweden mm-hmm. and so i was working so they were working with them and then i heard about um the work that uh, they do, do in somalia and so i was selling selling cars to raise money for for the, the children's home in Somalia and so I think I was exposed as a very young child to these different already atrocities happening and that really kind of um, 
pulled my heartstrings. And um, yeah, so I was already, as a child, I was like, I'm going to become a surgeon so I can do you know, any kind of medical thing. And um, so, so, and then I'm going to set up my own clinic. Uh, so that was kind of, that's how I decided that's what I'm going to do with my life. Um, since then, that's kind of, you know, that's evolved and changed. Uh, I ended up doing nursing and also did midwifery training. Um, and then I ended up, uh, so I worked for a bit in India, in mm -hmm. North India. And there we worked with, uh, yeah, with poor communities in both in Delhi and in Varanasi. Um, and I really got to see a lot of the really hard difficult uh, lives that a lot of women lead mm. um, and just the this this a lot of the stressors that they have both of trying to provide for their families but also doing a lot of the housework and having the main responsibility for caring for their children and and especially within nutrition and that's not I think uh, any mother would know that's not always so simple under very yeah. good circumstances but um so I really saw like how oh, how can we support women better to be able to uh feed their children well um mm -hmm. and then back in Sweden I ended up doing uh I started working at a postnatal ward and really saw that I, I really enjoyed I was quite good at uh giving breastfeeding support mm. so that was kind of that became my niche and so now I'm a certified lactation consultant and uh, yeah, that kind of continued or set me on this path of nutrition. Um, and then I was in South Sudan and in Bangladesh, mm -hmm. where I worked with uh, another organization and we did, so I was involved in nutrition projects there and really, yeah, uh, kind of specialized in that. Um, but I think throughout all of that, I think there's been different Bible verses for me that kind of have kept me going. Mm. Uh, one of them especially is uh, the verse in, in John 10, 10, where it says that I came to give life and give it to the full. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, when I look around and I see malnourished children, I see women struggling with breastfeeding. I see women who are malnourished. I think that this is not life to the full. Um, and I think that can be, that's kind of, yeah, part of my calling, I believe, that bringing a small piece of that life to these women and to children. Um, I'm going to get emotional here, but yeah, it's really, I think it's such an, and it's such an honor, really, to, I don't just say that lightly. It, it, yeah. it really, it really feels like an honor for me to, yeah, to be, to be a part of that bigger story. Um, yeah. Wow, it's so kind of it's so special. Sorry, Astrid, it's so special yeah. when I when I hear you speak and and like you're saying, you know, the the emotions that you have with it. That's so so powerful as well. And I think just to hear you share about this, this is very a very specific work you know, that God has called you to do when we're talking about, you know, breastfeeding support, which is not something that we often speak about or hear about. And when we're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, nutrition, and we're talking about among women who are trying to look after their children, but unable to for the situation that they're in the circumstances mm -hmm. that they're in. And it's such a very specific work. And, and, 
you know, you're using the word honor as well. And I know that you're not using that lightly. And and I honor you for this incredible work that you're doing. And you're just giving us a small glimpse into it. But I mean, this has been kind of your life's work almost, you know, that God has called you to. And I think it's so powerful. But like you said as well, you know, the older you get, the more the story grows, doesn't it? And the more that you behold Mm -hmm. and see. And so, you know, where you are right now, you know, will you be doing the same? Are you there for the same reasons? Is it about nutrition? Is it about helping women? Is it about that support as well? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think one of the reasons for being here was also very practical. I was looking for a job, uh, but always looking for a job that kind of, uh, that gives me opportunities both to grow, but also to give. Um, So that's kind of how I ended up here. And uh, the main part of our projects is exactly that is what we call infant and young child feeding. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the the breastfeeding period. So up to six months is what's recommended for for children to be exclusively breastfed. And then from six months onwards is that whole transition period uh, where they you know where children start to learn to eat other things and then um, and continue to breastfeed dur- during that time. Um, and just uh, so giving women so it's it's in this setting there is so Lebanon has the largest proportion of um, refugees in the world mm. so about there's over 1 million refugees in a country that only has I believe if I'm saying this right about 5 million uh, Lebanese mm-hmm. so um, and now I think we're in our 11th year from of the Syrian crisis and then there are also yeah. some um, Palestinian refugees here. And uh, yeah, so we actually we reach out to all these groups because the economic situation in Lebanon has really worsened. And mm. um, so, uh, I mean, we hear stories of women that borrow money to be able to afford formula. Mm. And so I think part of the support is really to help women to both because it's much better for their children, um, but also, you know, from an economic standpoint, uh, it would actually, it's a win-win yeah. if they can breastfeed rather than formula feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so, so we have teams that do that, uh, train staff. Um, and then, so what I do is kind of the coordination part and making sure we have funding uh, mm-hmm. for these projects and, uh, and advocate for, for the, the things that we think are important. Mm. I wanted to ask, you know, people, they obviously would hear like, okay, breastfeeding, you know, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? You know, in, in a world where we never have to kind of think about that, you know, in different countries or communities where, you know, we, we just normal living life, you know, it's just like, oh, I can breastfeed. You know, people are probably thinking that listen and go, well, is breastfeeding really a problem? What are the reasons that it would be a problem, you know, or is it because, uh, you know, these are vulnerable communities and vulnerable women because they, you know, struggling financially because there are no finances because maybe, you know, they are single moms. What kind of reasons lead to you know, women being, this is probably quite a big question, but, you know, <laughs> women, you know, not being, you know, nourished themselves, you know, not being able to, you know, mm-hmm. take care of their children, you know, maybe not being able to breastfeed because of nutritional issues, you know, what kind of things lead to this and what kind of information do you actually have to give them? 
Yeah, so I think I think this is what I found is fascinating with breastfeeding, and I think that's why. Anyways, I'm 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 a total nerd. So <laughs> once you get me started on this, I can. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think what's fascinated me is actually the issues are very similar all over the world, and I mm-hmm. think one of the most universal belief is that, or this fear, or not fear maybe, but just this. Uh, do I have enough milk to feed my baby? Mm. And I think it's this maternal thing where we, you know, we want what's best for our, our babies. I mean, not, I, I believe that's how, what it is. Cause you know, I'm, I'm not a mother myself, but mm-hmm. um, it's a very universal fear where, um, so, so of course in situation, in certain situations where you feel like, Oh, maybe it's not enough. Uh, of course you do then make sure that your, your child gets enough and you, you, and you add formula. Unfortunately, also a lot of healthcare systems in in the healthcare system, women might struggle to find the support that they need. Mm. So a lot of women, it's it's often a bit of a struggle, or for some women, it's a lot of a struggle mm-hmm. in the first first few weeks, maybe or first few days. It's it's very different. But yeah, um, I, there's very few women who 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 it just is is how do you say it? Plain sailing yeah. for. Um, it's and so the key thing um, is is often a lack of support from from within the healthcare system or even mm. from people around, and also from uh, the breastfeeding breast milk uh, mm-hmm. or sorry infant formula uh, marketing. So uh, WHO has actually just had a report out um, showing that there is yeah there's a lot of violations. So there's a, a, a an international law uh, that limits marketing of breast milk substitutes because it's a known factor to influence uh, women uh, to you know because they so a lot of the marketing is around that that this is better for your your child although evidence has shown that it's definitely not and so so to try and also because women are you know, are in a vulnerable position and families mm-hmm. because, you know, they want what's best for their child. Um, so they're quite vulnerable to that. So there is certain, um, and not every country has ratified it as a law. Okay. Uh, but so it's this the code. Now I don't remember the exact name of the code, but um, yeah, so like Lebanon has has applied it as a law. And so, um, yeah, so women should be protected uh, from also from distribution of formula and so so sometimes I think it's 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 this it goes into it kind of it takes advantage of this fear of maybe I don't have enough so mm. maybe it's better I give some formula and that that then often leads to kind of a vicious circle because if the infant doesn't is not hungry and feeds at the breast then mm. your milk production will go down so there's actually a law that stipulates that, you know, the marketing of this formulas, uh, it's kind of better. Yeah. So there's this yes. law around that. That is, yeah. is, it, is, it, is it in loads of countries? I'm wondering now if it's here in South Africa, you know? Yeah. So I don't remember about South Africa. Um and then South Africa has, you know, has a history as well with uh, when, especially with during time of HIV was very high. Mm. I was, I think there was this fear around 
whether women or whether the child would get HIV from the mother through breastfeeding. Uh, fortunately, now with all the antiretroviral drugs, it's very, yeah. very safe both to be pregnant and to give birth. And uh, so that's really changed. Okay. But I know there was a time where where um, where women were encouraged to go on formula for fear of um, Mm-hmm. Of, the, of the baby then contracting HIV, which is also mm. understandable. And is that um, also something that you find in your work that you have to address that as well sometimes? Yeah, so so I think it's it is a lot that that women, you know, they want. Or sorry, so just so I understand the question, you mm-hmm. think about around HIV or around HIV, because no, that 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 message mm-hmm. isn't it. Is is very actually perpetuated. I've heard that message as well. That if you know if you have if you are HIV positive, you cannot breastfeed. And I have heard that before. Is, mm-hmm. Do you find that that is something that many people still believe because we've just heard it so much? Yeah. So I think I'm not sure because um, yeah. So I've I've worked in South Sudan, uh, mm-hmm. but there it wasn't. There was not that much HIV and I think also the mm. level of poverty there is so high that formula feeding just isn't an option although it, it does happen and you know okay. they substitute maybe with with cow's milk or with, with mm. goat's milk and things like that so there's other other things too that can be used for substitutes but um yeah uh, I, I think I hope so I hope that message is changing because yeah because of uh, all the knowledge that we have now around around uh, prevention of uh, transmission mm. from mother to child mm. and and I think especially the success story of antiretroviral drugs that yeah, yeah. but um, and I think women should uh, you know any woman should have access to and I think it's especially towards women that are pregnant that uh, yeah are encouraged to access antiretroviral drugs just because we know that it really prevents yeah it, it minimizes to a very very low level so mm. yeah mm. this is actually very important information as well and you know such uh, interesting information especially when we're talking about you know formula and laws governing all of this things that maybe i've never heard about because i'm not a mom maybe some of the listeners mm-hmm. have heard about it and are saying yes you know i know about that but this is actually very very interesting and very interesting i'm going to go and look this up quickly you know you know what's happening mm-hmm. in south africa with this while we go to the song break so we're going to go to a really quick song break we want you to enjoy some music on the show today as well but we also don't want you to go anywhere because astrid is still with me after this and we're going to get deeper into the discussion today and so Enjoy some music. See you when we get back. And we'll let you know what's happening, you know, in South Africa about those laws because now I'm very intrigued. So enjoy some music. Welcome back. you with me, Lauren Jacobs and Voice of Change today. And you know what? Astrid is with me. And we've been talking about her incredible work that she's been doing in health, nutrition, as well as breastfeeding support among vulnerable communities and in different countries, you know, from North India to Bangladesh, Lebanon, Iraq, South Sudan. Astrid has been, you know, to many, many different places. And before we went to the song, I told you that we were going to have a look at, you know, what South Africa says about this international marketing of breast milk substitutes. And Astrid, I had a look at it really, really quickly. And, you know, according to the South African government, and I do find this quite interesting that they say that, you know, infants and young children should fully adhere with all the provision of the International Code of Marketing of Breast Milk Substitutes. 
and its subsequent resolutions, which will then be superseded by South African regulations. So I have no idea what exactly they mean, but that is the law that we have here. So they are alluding to that. And I think it's very important that we actually, you know, pay attention to things like that. It's it's actually very, very important. Astrid, I actually wanted to ask you, you know, with all the work that you've done over so many years, have there been particular instances that have been quite difficult or, you know, situations that you've been in or, you know, you know, individuals you've worked with that have actually been quite heartbreaking and quite difficult to deal with? Because I think you've obviously, you know, worked with so many different women and their children over time. I'm sure that sometimes it's been, it's been work that is very, very rewarding, but also can be quite tough. Right. Yeah, so so I think of um, two stories in particular from South Sudan, and um, one of them has a, unfortunately a very sad ending, and the other one has uh, definitely a, a very happy ending. Um, but they really these two stories kind of is something that I've taken with me and, and keep me keep me going as well. Um, but yeah, so the first story is about um, a, a child that I saw for the first time. I met her in our stabilization center. Mm-hmm. And a stabilization center is uh, a, a place where children are admitted because they have severe acute malnutrition with some kind of form of complication. And severe acute malnutrition by itself is, uh, is a very uh, quite dangerous uh, state. Uh, Many children die um, of severe acute malnutrition, but uh, when they get when there's complications, then this becomes even more dangerous. Mm. So at the stabilization center, I met this this little girl, and um, and then I met her mom, and I I heard that her mom had actually been admitted uh, into our um, into our nutrition program because she was malnourished, uh, and so up until six months of age of the infant. Uh, or during pregnancy, if, if uh, we measure the mother rather than the, the infant uh, to see if she's malnourished and if she is, then she can get some nutritional support, uh, which then comes in the form of a uh, kind of a powder that you can make into nutritional powder that you can make into a, um, a, a porridge like mm-hmm. or a bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, yes, yeah, so I met yeah, this girl there, and I heard that her mom had received this nutritional uh, substitute or um, from us, um, and then but but then the, the the girl she was also quite quite malnourished when she was when she became a little bit older, and so she was then admitted, and um, unfortunately she became worse. She was discharged a few times, came back in, and later she. Uh, unfortunately got tuberculosis and then Mm. at some point they called one morning and they said uh, Astrid she's not doing well can you please come Um, and then unfortunately she had passed before we we arrived Um, and then I really remember how also our staff that were working there because they'd got to know her as well um, very well of course because they uh, nurses that are doing uh, shifts uh, and, and really taking care of these children how they were also really showing compassion with the mother and they were also quite quite taken mm. um, and and but the other story and it kind of goes 
I will I will show you why they're sort of linked in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, another so another little girl who was uh, born actually part of a triplet, but her the two other ones unfortunately passed. And then this little girl, um, she was born premature, so she was very very small, um, and we were able to also admit her into our program where. Uh, into the stabilization center with her mom where she would receive uh, both a bit of milk but also a lot of breastfeeding support so that she could exclusively breastfeed this baby and then it would grow we would then make sure that I would grow that you know this girl would grow properly Hmm. Um, and then um, unfortunately the mom had to leave and she because she had other duties to take care of at home so what we then did, we decided, okay, we'll go and visit her every week and see how she's doing, if she's continuing to be okay. Um, and then a few months later, I, I was at uh, our outpatient care clinic uh, visiting with the staff. And then I was like, I recognize this mother. Um, and then they were like, oh, yeah, but this is the mother of the girl that was admitted in, in the stabilization center. And then um, and then she smiled and she had this dimple, which I recognized from when she was. And I was like, oh, that's so, I, yeah, it was such a, such a joy to see her uh, and that she was doing very well. Um, but, and I think for me, that has really shown that when we, when we're able to give support early, so then, you know, it makes, it can make a real life difference of life and death actually um so so there's now a program because a lot of nutrition programs um were struggling to reach zero to six months um, because they're supposed to be exclusively breastfed and we don't really have a good substitute for if you know those those children that aren't doing so very well Mm. and also we're struggling how do we measure um out in these very difficult settings um fortunately that's something that there is growing support and there's growing mm-hmm. guidance on how to do that. So that's actually part of uh, my next, uh, well, I don't know if we'd call it mission, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've done a little bit of research on it and, and we're, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's now a growing thing within the humanitarian community where there's more support for the zero to six months. Mm-hmm. And I think here, I wish, you know, could, if we could have maybe given more support and recognize this this other girl that died if we could have recognized malnutrition in her earlier yeah. could we have saved her life um of course we don't know uh, mm. but um yeah mm. so the thought it's it's interesting isn't it because the thought is there you, like you said you don't know but there is mm. that thought isn't there like if we could have just identified this earlier you know, mm-hmm. what could this have been like? But I think it's it's so important what you say now, you know, kind of okay, so this is this is the this is something that I want to focus on. This is the next, like you said, any inverted commas will say mission, you know, that that mm-hmm. you know you, you're going on. And and I, I think that this work is so absolutely incredible. And just to hear about someone who is actively working with this every single day, 
you know, again, like we, we often think about, you know, okay, you know, getting food to people that need food or, you know, getting, you know, resources into a place where there needs to be resources, you know, but we don't often think of exactly what you're sharing with us today about nutrition. We don't normally think about moms. What about breastfeeding moms? What about babies? And that leads me to even think about what happens in, you know, areas of conflict, like you said, you know, entering the 11th year of the Syrian conflict. We have, you know, this conflict now happening in Ukraine, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just such a now, you know, in conflict areas is also maybe no access to, you know, proper nutritional realities, maybe not even being able to get formula for your child. Your child could be, you know, a bit older and be needing that. This is so important. And I think that it's something that we don't often think about. And that's why it's so important, the work that you're doing. It's so incredible. Would you say that, you know, there is one kind of guiding thing that God kind of leads you on as you're doing this? It's kind of like, okay, like you said earlier on, there's different scripture, right? For every different season and different places. Mm-hmm. But is there this one kind of thing that that God keeps reminding you about or leading you on as you consistently show up and do this work? Yeah, so I think um, I was just talking to a friend the other day about this. Actually, yesterday, I think, um, about this eternal perspective. Because I I work with uh, a lot of non-Christians as well. And and I always admire how I think, you know, a lot of the passions are very similar um and sometimes you think about you know what's the difference between me and them and I think I think we're all human beings with with the same I think you know I I you know I have enormous respect for my colleagues and Mm. uh, be it Christian or non-Christian but I sometimes think like how can they keep going because I think to me um the suffering that we see in this world it can be really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and I think I think we're all feeling that now like you know, it's like we talk about post pandemic, but it's, it's, mm. we've barely come out of the pandemic. We have the, um, you know, climate crisis, the Ukraine crisis. I'm from the Netherlands, um, uh, based in Sweden. So it's like, mm. it, it, you know, it hits home very close to home. Um, although I've seen it, you know, in lots of places, I think having that perspective of this is not the end of the story Mm. uh in uh being reminded of end of revelation where it talks about that you know that that every tear will be wiped away that there would be no more no more crying and no more um you know no more suffering and i think that keeps me going as well that i know that even though it looks like when i look around the world and we we are confronted with all this suffering and horror and things mm. going the wrong direction you could say in the world yeah that this is not the end um mm. it is it is a, the story ends uh, with with god wiping away all of our tears and all of our suffering um it there that will come to an end and i think uh knowing that i think it keeps me going but also this whole you know the in the lord's prayer where we pray that let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think, um, I believe that, you know, in all, whatever we do, we can bring a small piece of that future reality, you know, that no more tears and no more suffering to today, because I believe that's 
that's what God's will is for today. Mm. Um, it's his vision for the future, but, you know, yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so I think mm. I'm, I'm that, mm. that helps me move forward. And also I think for me, it's, it's also like, okay, I'm, I'm a piece of this. I, I'm doing my part. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to fix the world's problems. I am not able to do that. Mm. Uh, God mm. is. <laughs> I can give these things to him and, uh, and, and mm. know that. Uh, and yeah, that, mm. you know, and I think also that knowing that he cares more than I do. So when, if I cry mm. and I see things that are difficult, I know that this is, you know, that, you know, he came to give life and give it to the full. Mm. Like I mentioned before that, you know, God's heart also bleeds for these people that don't have a full life where life is a struggle. Um, like the Syrian refugees that for 11 years have lived mm. in Lebanon, not knowing if they can return and probably realizing that, mm, yeah, maybe they will never be able to return. Mm. Uh, mm. So but knowing that, yeah, that he is there for them and that he, his, his arm of compassion is, you know, maybe through a little bit of what I do, um, I can be a part of doing that. So I think, like I mentioned earlier, like, I think that's where, you know, it's such an honor for me mm. to, to do this because it's, yeah, yeah, it's very practical, uh, you know, although I'm not the person sitting with a Syrian woman. Yes. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm making sure there's funding and yes, <laughs> uh, this the different things, but still uh, being part of that bigger team. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. that. And I love that it's it's such a powerful reminder, you know. I guess it's something that people can universally take away with them from what you shared is that, you know, mm. this is this is not the end of the story. You know, maybe what you're going through, what you're experiencing is not the end of the story and and even and even deeper into situations and realities like you're sharing with us about today you know where there it is life and death situations that you face and it is suffering of people and and it can be overwhelming and you know just that reality this isn't the end it does end with hope it does end with mm. god you know and i think that that is something that i really want us all to take away from this conversation as well today as we wrap up the end of the show and Astrid it's mm. been so great to be with you I I just really honor and admire the incredible work that you have done and will continue to do and you know my mm. prayer is just that God will really bless you in this work and just that whatever you put your hands to do that it will be a success that you know you will just have this incredible mm. favor of God upon your life you know to get mm. the funding in that you're needing and like I said at the beginning of the show it's International Midwives Day and so if that is you today if you said and they're going hey I'm a midwife we celebrate you as well today and we honor you for the amazing work that you do midwives have such a big role to play and you know even more so those who really go and assist women who really don't have support who really really need that voice who really, really needs that encouragement. 
And I loved having Astrid with me today because it gives us a glimpse of what is happening. It gives us a glimpse, you know, of life out there when you're actually realizing that there is incredible suffering, but yet we know that it's not the end of the story. I've met a number of people who have worked, you know, on the field in humanitarian situations who have been so deeply impacted by the suffering that they have seen that it's really been hard for them to acclimatize to, you know, normal life when they head back home to, you know, America or even here in South Africa and, and what you see and what you experience becomes such a such a, a hard thing to deal with and even here in South Africa we know that we face many many situations that are very very difficult that are very very hard to see handle and to cope with and I want to save that to you today as well you know as as we celebrate this day and we honor those who are working in you know the medical field as midwives but also as carers because that is what a midwife does you know we also want to say and I also want to say today please take care of yourself secondary trauma is very very real the things that you will see you know it's very very hard sometimes so please take care of you please take care of your heart your mind your mental health as well your physical please take care of you and you know take care of yourself and really really look after yourself god is really concerned and interested in our well-being in every single place for those of you who are doing amazing work in the communities i want to honor you today as well whatever that work looks like it is important work and i want to honor you today thank you for all of you you know really working in our communities whether it be just offering support to those who have a need today whether it's feeding people helping the homeless people whether it's helping drug addicts or moms that who are struggling supporting children through school that don't have parents you know feeding people who have lost their loved ones whatever it may be in any way even though it seems small these are big and it's important and so i want to say thank you to you today for you know your work in the community i know that a lot of our listeners here at cape pulpit are so invested in the community and are so busy at work and so we say thank you today i say thank you today on Voice of Change for your incredible work. It's been so good to have you with me. Next week on the show, I will be talking about the Day of Families, Family Day. You know, it's International Family Day next week. But we're also going to be chatting to Seth Hunaker, who is a GBV practitioner and who also wants to flip the narrative on how we should think about families and abuse. A very, very important subject. So I cannot wait to have you with me next week. Same time, same place. See you then. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.